Welcome to episode 14 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We are talking AT&T Pebble Beach National Pro-Am on the PGA Tour and the World Super 6 on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me this evening is our European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Evening to you, Paul. How are you? Good evening, Steve. Yes, I'm very well. How are you? Struggling, if I, if truth be told, the whole weight of the whole of golf betting's on my shoulders <laughs> after last week. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll go into that in a second. Resident guest Barry O'Hanrahan, he's missing in duty this week, as he's taking in the delights of doubling this evening. So I can't say I blame him on that one. So uh, we've got no Barry this week. Hopefully he's back next week. A bit of housekeeping for you as ever before we move ahead. Uh, www.golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Uh, Twitter handles, Steve Bamford, that's me. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Uh, Thanks again to all listeners. The numbers last week on the podcast, the listener numbers were fantastic. And uh, we're very, very pleased with the amount of you who are listening and obviously getting something positive. So thank you for that. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, reviews are always most welcome on that. And I also want to highlight this week something that's a little bit new at Golf Betting System. Now, I've put a link beneath the description if you're listening to this on Podbean. I've also put a link to it in my ma- uh, my first paragraph on this week's AT&T Pebble National preview that I've pulled together. Basically, we are tracking, and they have been tracking uh, since last year, the amount of each way places that bookmakers are giving us. Now, we, t- we take into account, I think it's uh, 12, 13 online bookmakers, and we're just basically tracking each week who are giving extended each way places. Now, it's uh, last year we, we, we just did it on the PJ Tour, but this year, as of January, we've added the European, t- uh, the European Tour to that as well. So there's some really interesting information on there about basically where you can get the most amount of additional each-way places. And as of January, across January, that bookmaker was Coral. They offered additional places over all tournaments on both the European Tour and the PGA Tour. And in total, they offered 17 additional places for each-way punters. They were followed up by Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook on 15 additional places. I'm not going to go into any more detail, but... If you want to find out more, I've signposted exactly where you can go to this bit piece of each way research that we're going to keep up to date throughout 2018. As you know, Paul, often getting the best price and also the best each way places um, can really bring some extra profit and value to you, especially when it comes to kind of hectic leaderboards like we saw at Phoenix last week. Yeah, absolutely. And um you know, taking when you've got an option to take seven places, I know the bookies have generally gone to a fifth of the odds now um, outside the majors for any of the extended places. But even so, seven and a fifth um, does give you that extra uh, extra opportunity to get some uh, some return, and particularly on your longer shots, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, and as we saw last week again, um, the likes of Hadley um, coming in in tied sixth. In, in days gone past, um, you yourself wouldn't have got a return for that. You've got a you've got a reduced return for it, um, 
actually came tied fifth, but you, you get get the gist. It would have been um, it had been further reduced for tyres. So the more places you can take, um, you know, bearing in mind the price needs to be the right, the, the right price. If you're getting absolutely screwed on the price, then uh, then maybe not. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great piece of work actually. So uh, well worth a look, as Steve said. I think in this day and age as well, bookmakers can't just slash the places week in week out and just pay it. Uh, you know, the the odds rather and, and pay out extra places. The thing that always gets me with Coral um, and Paddy, Paddy Power and Betfair, they are all competitive on price, but they're just giving away extra additional places. You know, they're, they're, that's just the fact of the matter. I know that it might be something that you're doing soon in terms of looking at odds and who are also giving the best odds over a period of time but we will talk about that another day um let's get into the tournaments this week or in fact let's not i think let's do what we did last week paul what did we learn this week so you 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 crack on what did you learn last week in terms of uh, the, the two tournaments that you were watching well, firstly, the the Malaysian track was um, I'd kind of got it down, um, and in my notes and from what I'd seen of the track before, um, I'd kind of got it down more of a, a risk reward type track. And re- the reality is, it's far tighter than that. Um, you can go around there and play particularly well. Um, you can score very heavily. We saw a couple of sixty twos last week. Um, one of which was uh, by uh, Shabanka Sharma at the end to to take the tournament and. Um, if you're hitting fairways, hitting greens, you can make birdies there. Um, if you're slightly offline, you're getting um, tree trouble. You're 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 taking bogeys and doubles, and there were some big numbers there. There was some sevens and eights all the way through, um, particularly from some of my players. And um, the only one of mine that actually made the weekend was uh, was uh, Alex Levy, and um, he had a couple of decent um, chances to make a move um, on Saturday in particular, but um, it, it making some big numbers here and there. And that's just where he was a bit too aggressive and he was uh, he was getting stuck behind trees or making uh, you know, making doubles or trebles or quads as it ended up. Um, so yeah, it was a bit frustrating. The other, other big note for me um, was the green speed um, over there in Malaysia was incredibly slow. Um, and often with these Bermuda green tracks, the uh, Bermuda the, the, the greens often get up to kind of 11, 12 plus on the stimp. And these weren't, these were down in the 9, nine 10 type bracket. So they were very slow for Bermuda um, and the, the, the track was tight. It's far closer correlation to the likes of um, Fanling and Hong Kong. Um, which, um, when, when, you, when you bear in mind, I put up Scott Hen, who'd won in uh, Fanling. Um, it, you know, there, there, there obviously was some logic there, but, um, but yeah, it's a, a big note for my, uh, for my uh, notes for next year, um, along those lines. So it was clearly, it was a plotter's track, effectively, yeah? Rather than pure aggression. Well, I guess no. You look at the winning score twenty under, you know, and when when guys are going out there and shooting sixty two and making ten birdies in a round, um, clearly it is scorable. Um, but equally, you got to play well. So, um, it's it's a bit of a mix. It's um, you're likely to see different styles of players um, on that leaderboard over over the years, and you saw the likes of Ryan Fox up there, who's one of the longer hitters, and he's you know, he's he's managed to get himself into an each way place. Um, so it's not all about um, yeah. metronomic metronomic tee to green um, play, but you've got to play well. Sim- simple as that. You've got to got to be able to adjust to the slower greens. Um, get on with the get on with the grainy Bermuda and um, and make make your score that way. 
um, and not make too many mistakes. There were birdies there. I mean, Hend, who did miss the cut, he missed the cut and the number, and he, he made four straight birdies at the end to put himself inside the cut mark at the time. Um, uh, quite a way inside, but clearly, you know, the, the, the scoring was low enough to knock him out by the time the, uh, the second wave had gone through on Friday. So, yeah, disappointing week. Um, I'd, you know, I'd also gone for Hao Tong Lee, who'd won the week before, but the reality was, even though he'd won um, twice back to back in his career, early early doors in his career, um, you know, he was clearly jaded. He was clearly. Uh, clearly wasn't 110% focused on backing that up last week and yeah, you live and learn. Absolutely. Phoenix, that was an interesting tournament. Yeah, always is. I always enjoy it, actually. I didn't watch it last night, I have to be honest. I was absolutely knackered after uh, after my missus' 40th birthday party on Saturday and my son getting some kind of scarlet fever yesterday. So hospital trips, blah, blah, blah. I was absolutely exhausted. So I kind of, I was in bed... I was in bed at some crazy hour in the morning. Uh, sorry, in the evening, sort of eight o'clock or something. I was absolutely exhausted. And uh, all I kept dreaming about was what was happening in the Gulf. And at no point did Ricky Fowler ever win in my dream. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sure enough, when I woke up in the morning, that was uh, that was the case. But I will say, I never expected to see Gary Woodland or and and Chay Reevy in a in a uh, in a playoff. Yeah, that, that never came into anywhere in my in my mindset whatsoever. I guess it kind of fits with you know you, you, wanted, um, you wanted ball strikers who yeah. you know ball strikers who can uh, you know can occasionally get hot enough on the greens to, to compile a score and um, Gary Gary had been putting reasonably well. I mean, if you you followed him for the last couple of weeks, you'd have been pulling your hair out because you'd have probably given up after the second. Uh, after last week, where you know he was in a cracking position and uh, and, and fell away at the end, and uh, you know he pops up and wins the week after at fifty to one. It's um, you know that's exactly what golf punting is all about. You sometimes got to be uh, kind of blind to these uh, things that are happening and just uh, and stick with the players if you've been backing them for a couple of weeks. But I th- uh, no. Phoenix always feels to me about it's also always total driving at Scottsdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree. Um, it's total driving, and the putter really does take a serious back seat. But the the thing with Gary was he'd actually been putting quite well going into it. Yeah. But as per usual, I suppose it was a little bit like how. I oh know it wasn't, but you had the uh, kind of a, a situation with how Tong Lee, didn't you? Where completely missed the cut at Abu Dhabi. Wasn't in, you know, and it, it came out that he was poorly. Then the next week he blitzes it. Thing with yeah. thing with Gary was he was in great you know great spot at Torrey Pines and he did his usual Gary Woodland Gary Woodland Sunday performance and when yeah. and when you always see forty to fifty what fifty to one about him every single time you know that his stats are always there or thereabouts and you just always think to yourself well the bloke never wins yeah no no it's, <laughs> it can be frustrating, can be frustrating back in a player like that particularly if you you, you do give it up before he. Uh, he has that one decent, and it's only, it's one day, isn't it? It's a, it's a decent Sunday that gets him over the line. And whereas the previous Sunday, what did he shoot seventy five? Something. Yeah, like that. He, he did. But I mean, I'm just looking at his numbers here. He was he was almost a stroke gained positive on putting at the Sony, where he was seventh. He was he was yep. one point seven strokes up on putting at Torrey Pines. And you're thinking, this is Gary Woodland. Yeah, and then he, he's kept that nice warm putter going at Phoenix. A course where he can he can give it absolute death off the tee. He was uh, fifth for total driving, 
So yeah, three nine. He was eighth for driving distance and nineteenth for accuracy, and it just worked a treat for him, didn't it? It's fair play to him. I, yeah. I always like Gary Wood, and I, I, he's one of those players that you you do think there's something about him. I know, and you've 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 picked him up before. I vaguely remember you picking him up at Reno or something mm. like that, sixty six to one or so. And yeah, in fact, there's another altitude track, so. You know, there's clearly some correlation there with uh, the tracks he gets on with, or styles, or different attributes that you can can pin to a particular tournament that can can help you find a winner. And as I say, if you could look overlook the fact that you know what had happened the previous week, and uh, you know the the fact that he does often get into those kind of positions and doesn't convert, and then you know fifty to one in hindsight looks like a decent. Price. It does, yeah. You know, particularly with some of the players that were there in the mix that you would have expected to convert. I mean. Looking at the uh, leaderboard going into Sunday, you got Ricky Fowler there, you got John Rahm there. Um, you know, for all the world, you'd have said it was a two-horse race between those two guys. And what happens in the end? Neither, neither of them even plays, both outside the top ten. There is something about both um, Torrey Pines and TPC Scottsdale where the leaders very rarely actually convert. I know yeah. at Torrey Pines it hasn't happened for time of memorial. And at TPC Scottsdale, I think the only one that did it re- in recent times was Mickelson that year where he shot 27 under and yeah, the golf yeah. course was as soft as you liked it no one got e- close to him at all but apart from that no one uh, in the first place has actually won that tournament since two, uh, since 2009 yes um, you, you get quite a spate of these where you've got players who are you know, coming into the 54 hole lead and, and not converting and you know, it's a, it's, it's a trader's dream potentially to, uh, to just be laying these 54 old leaders each week and, uh, and make, make a packet out. I've worked it out. Last four tournaments, I've had Harmon, I've had John Rahm, and I've had Ricky Fowler be 36 or 54 hole leaders. And I've only got one small each way place back on Harm. <laughs> I, think I, I, think, I, think you, I think you're due, Mr. Bamford. Thank you. I think. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's coming. Let's talk AT and T Pebble Beach first. With respect to the uh, Super Six, I think it yes. is, it's clearly the bigger tournament, and the, the the field this week is absolutely fantastic. I'll just walk you through it in terms of the betting. Dustin Johnson thirteen to two. We know he's a two-time winner here and loves Pebble. Uh, John Rahm at tens. These prices I'm re- reading out are tea time on Monday evening over here in the UK. Rory McIlroy, who's making his tournament debut here, uh, is eleven to one, with Jason Day at elevens. Jordan Spieth, the defending champion, is twelve to one. I can't remember the last time we saw Jordan Spieth at twelve to one, but there you go. He's twelve to one. Then we've got last week's winner, Gary Woodland at 25s. Then the likes of Paul Casey, Phil Mickelson, Brandon Grace, Branch Schnedeker, who we know plays uh, brilliantly around here. Pat Perez, Matt Kuchar, Patrick Reed, Patrick Candley, even Adam Scott. And uh, there's some decent names below that in the betting as well. It is loaded. It's a fantastic field. Um, it's a pro-am, it's a big field as well, it's one of the biggest fields of the year, I think it's 168 players, um, and it's played over three golf courses, so there's going to be plenty of action this week, the um, coverage that we get is absolutely mind-bogglingly boring, um, but I just always tend to tune in on the uh, Saturday and the Sunday, just to get my head around it. 
Yeah, so you can actually see the players by then, and not the, and not uh, Kenny G. Not, yeah, absolutely. All these non-American um, people, whatever. But yes, um, it's a good tournament in terms of the players that tend to do well here. Let me just talk listeners quickly through the concept. Um, it's a fifth. It's a seventy-two hole pro ham. Uh, but only the 25 best Pro-Am teams play on the Sunday. So it's a little bit different to the one that we saw, the career builder, a few weeks ago. Uh, so you do get amateurs playing all the way through the 72 holes with the top 25. Um, it's played across three courses, Pebble Beach, Golf Links. And you may ask, well, why are so many of these top players coming to, to the AT&T this week? Well, it's because the, 20, uh, the 2019 US Open is being played at Pebble Beach, so it makes some sense that we've got a better field this year. Uh, two other courses involve Spyglass Hill and also the Shore Course at Monterey Peninsula. Now, it's a little bit quirky. The, the uh, Monterey Peninsula Shore Course is a par 71. The other two courses, Pebble Beach and Spyglass, are both 72. And it's one of those tournaments, because it's a pro-am, it tends to be a scenario where it's as tough as the weather. And um, last year, there was quite a lot of nasty-ish weather Thursday and Friday morning. And when the weather and the wind was blowing and it was raining, Jordan Spieth kind of got himself to the top of the leaderboard and was never headed. Um, This year, it looks like it's going to be tranquil. It looks like it's going to be... Um, very sunny, but it looks like it's going to be very European-type temperatures. So we're seeing kind of 20, 21 degrees Celsius Thursday, Friday, and then it gets cooler. And I think on the Sunday, there's nothing there's nothing warmer than about 17 degrees. So European kind of temperatures. Um, and the only wind I'm really seeing is a little bit of breeze up to kind of 15, 17 mile an hour gusts on the Saturday. So for me... Uh, with course conditions probably not being as soft as we saw last year, I still think that we're looking with such calmness, something around the sort of 25, uh, not 25 under, 22 under, something along that. 19 under was Spieth last year. Vaughan Taylor was 17 under at weird conditions in 2016. Schnedeker won here at 22 under and 19 under. I reckon anything around about that 20 under mark is what's going to be required this week. And that... Lots of birdies then. Yeah, plenty of birdies. Lots of birdies. So it's either going to be kind of mid-score up to 17, 18. But for me, I think it's going to, they're going to go a little bit lower this year just because it's so calm. So I, I think 20 under. So if you're you know, straight 67s across, across the week, you're going to be right in the mix. And that's easier said than done here because the main characteristics of the course, they're all very short. They've all got pretty, I mean, the main course, Pebble, for this, has got wide fairways. So even the most wild drivers can be hitting over 50% of fairways. Uh, But the greens are extremely small. We're talking, on average, 3,500 square feet. They're the smallest on tour. So you've really got to pick your way around. You've got to be hitting. I'll just... I'll dig out my sheet. Uh, Branch Schnedeker won here 2013, 77.78 GIR. He was sixth. Jimmy Walker was sixth in 2014. That was really blowy that year. 
Uh, Schnedeker was 82% of greens in uh, 2015, tied third. Uh, Vaughan Taylor was 75% tied second. And Jordan Spieth, the last year, was 79.17 tied second. Uh, tied, th- sorry, third. Um, you've got to hit tons and tons of greens this week. They're good numbers for for the size of the green. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels plotterish to me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, with Torrey Pines a couple of weeks ago, Jason Day bludgeoned his way around. Mm. And Jason Day has got a good record here. You can know why, because the, the Poa greens and it all yeah. feels kind of the same. Um, he's got a chance this week. That's undoubted. But it just feels like you've got to have the ability to be hitting over 75% of greens in regulation. And when you're talking small 3,500 square feet greens, that is not an easy task. No. Not an easy task at all. My key skill sets I'm looking for, bogey avoidance, uh, birdie or better, clearly. Um, I think you've got to be able to scramble, um, and particularly scramble from the rough, but I've always got this course or this tournament down in my mind, and you, you can disagree with me. Um, for me, it's putters who are hitting lots of greens at the moment rather than ball strikers. It's completely different to Phoenix. Yeah, well, given that it's as you say, it's wider, um, it's you know, it's more of a second shot course. So, and a lot, actually, a lot of the approaches are relatively short. They're wedges or they're short irons. So. You know, for me, I'm often looking um, at players who are, who are good from that kind of 125 and in um, kind of distance, and uh, as you say, decent on and around the greens as well. Because at the end of the day, you're going to need to, in decent conditions, you're going to need to get to 20, as you said, 20 under or, or better than that to uh, to be in, a, in with a chance of winning. So you can't go there with a cold putter. You need to be getting up and down. You need to be avoiding bogeys. Um, you need to be making the most of your chances when you've got a wedge in your hand. So, uh, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd kind of agree with yeah, that. Yeah, there's proximity in there, I agree. I think uh, Snedeker was 19th in 13. This proximity is whole. Walker was 26th, but it was blowy that year. Uh, Snedeker 24th again in 15. Vaughan Taylor, the year that I had Mickelson cock up, uh, he was third, 250 to 1 or 350, something crazy. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Spieth was, again, 10th for proximity to hole. So for me, it's putter, and you can see why Jason Day does a well around here. It's putters who have the ability to hit, or have got the immediate skill where they're hitting tons of greens or a good amount of greens arriving at Pebble Beach. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Now I haven't firmed up completely where I'm heading in terms of my tips. I'll be publishing tomorrow morning, no doubt. But what I can do is read out the top 10 of this week's predictor model um, that I've pulled together already. So um, just, of course, golfbanksystem.co.uk, you can come and use our predictor models both for the European Tour and the PGA Tour, free of charge. The variables I'm using, just to talk you through them, current event top 10s is vital here. Um, I don't think any previous winners here for a long time haven't had at least one top 10 here. It seems to me that some immediate form, either be that at the Sony Open, at Torrey Pines for the Farmers Insurance, or last week at Scottsdale is a prerequisite. Um, Bogey avoidance is clearly very, very important, as are making birdies. But really, I've maximised putts 
the putting average variable this week. I'm really looking for guys with a hot putter. And this is what it's come out with. Um, also, of course, I've also used our West Coast variable. Guys that have done well on the West Coast swing in the past. You could also, of course, use our coastal positive variable as well. Uh, guys that play well by the sea. Top 10 here for you. I've got Matt Kuchar at 10. Patrick Reed at 9. John Rahm at 8. Pat Perez at 7. Phil Mickelson at 6. 5 is Jason Day. 4 is Brent Schnedeker. 3 is Dustin Johnson. 2 is Jordan Spieth. And number 1... You're thinking, so what, someone's beaten Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, John Rahm and Rory McIlroy in your statistical model. Even though I haven't said Rory McIlroy. Yeah, he is in top. Chesson Hadley. He tops the predictor model this week. Played well yesterday, yeah, last week, yesterday, finishing off uh, for a uh, tie for fifth. Well, I, I, I will tip up good. Hadley. I mean, how can you not? And if you look at him here, he's an interesting runner this week. He really is an interesting runner. He's played here three times. Now, when he played here uh, in 2014 or 2015, both years, he finished, it, he finished in 10th place. So he's had three appearances, two 10th place finishes. Now, back in 14 and 15... He was nowhere near the player he is at the moment. He's definitely mm. gone back to the web.com tour and he's come back and he's, cl- yeah, he's clearly worked out how to start playing the game and not just slash it all the time. And it was interesting. I read an interview with him at Scottsdale last week and they basically said to him, oh, you never played any good round here. You know, what's the difference? And he said, I'm thinking more strategically about what I need to do at each course. And I've also started to get my head around the fact that even though I haven't been to... Uh, I haven't done well on courses in the past. If I play a certain style of golf that marries up to that particular course, I can be competitive. Yeah, well, he's just maturing as a player and as an individual, yeah. isn't he? So um, he's starting to understand how to uh, how to manage his uh, how to manage his game and his career. No, fair play, it, as I say, it was it was good last week, and um, yeah, I couldn't dispute that. I think he's he's in great overall form if you look at his last 10, 12 events, um, including the web.com. Um, yeah, why not? Why can't he uh, back up what he did last week and go a step further? I know it's a cracking field out there, but um, looking at the prices you're getting out there at the moment, 55's out there right now, um, and that's with only a handful of the bookmakers up. So If you're prepared to take the five each way and a quarter, this he's 66 right now with Bet Victor. Right, okay. It's good. That is a good price on Hadley. Yeah. yeah. The other thing to point out to listeners is they have a kind of professional tournament there. I think it's kind of, they offer about $300,000 each November. And it used to be sp- sponsored by Callaway. Uh, but this year it was sponsored by TaylorMade. Uh, it's the Pebble Beach Invitational, I believe it's called. And what you what you get is you get a lot of web.com players, a lot of um, senior players that play the Champions Tour player. Um, and in the past, there's been some decent decent players. Um, I'll just read you through some names. 2010, Pat Perez was third in it. Uh, 2011, Jonas Blix. We know that Blix has done well here. He finished sixth in that particular uh, Pebble Beach Invitational. Uh, 2012, William McGurk, Billy Horschel, James Hahn, Jimmy Walker. Now, Jimmy Walker 
came sixth there in 2012 in that tournament. Then he won here in 2014. 2013's interesting. Kevin Kisner won it. Uh, second place, Chesson Hadley. So that's another little tick in the box for me. Hadley has clearly played four tournaments, professional tournaments there. He's finished second, tenth and tenth. So yeah, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a cracking price this week. And, and you can see him being one of these guys. I've also noticed with Hadley, he's not scared of actually linking decent performances together. He seems, no, to, no, he no. seems to be a momentum player. He actually gets confidence. Yeah. If you look, going back to the back end of last year on his uh, web.com, just looking at his uh, finishes now, he finished, uh, he won the Boys Open, um, the uh, second at the DAP Championship the week after, 46th at the web.com tour championship then finished third second fourth and three consecutive events on the uh, pga tour so clearly um was playing well paid out three consecutive weeks on the pga tour for each way backers and he's coming off the top five last week i'm always getting comment you guys you guys your your accents they're very very funny always getting this kind of stuff uh it's uh, i believe it's boise oh okay boise open so how do, how do you pronounce Shaden? Well, this this debate goes on not just in this country but in America. I've always been led to believe that it's Chase, it's Chay Reavy rather than oh, okay. Ches. Right, okay, I'm always thinking Ches. And I was listening to Dave Tindall. I was listening to Dave Tindall on his podcast the other day, and they they were having the same debate. Right. Is it Ches or Chay? I go Chay. Um, I'll, I'll call him Ches, and we'll just agree to be different. Potato, potato, isn't it? <laughs> But yes, the other thing, good thing about Hadley as well, he's really got his bogey avoidance under control. So I think yeah, it was eight bo- there was eight bogeys last week at Scotts, and like you said, that shows maturity. Now you compare that to Justin Thomas, who and I, I know I, I take I, I say this with a pinch of salt, but Thomas at the moment seems to be in this kind of mindset, and I think a lot of this might be that Jimmy Johnson's not on the bag. It's to- you know a lot of it's total attack. So he, he, it was six straight birdies in round three on Saturday, wasn't it? And, you know, oh, yeah. I'm getting ex- I'm getting excited at the wife's party when I'm sneakily looking at the at the phone. Yeah, I'm thinking he's, well, he's himself to the yeah he's right in the mix here, the right in the mix here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was all yeah, very, people, it was all very talk- it was all very U.S. Open Erin Hills type of stuff. People talking fifty nine. Yeah, I, I'm at the bar buying another round. Come on, lads, Thomas is moving, and then nah, he's not moving anymore. Moving back, but Hadley had maturity last week. Just the eight, just the eight bogeys in total, um, which another another real. Um, I think if you look at previous winners here, the Sneds, the Spieths, um, forget about Vaughan Taylor. That was just a total shot in the dark. They've all played some very strong golf in the preceding tournaments leading up to it in terms of minimising bogey. So I, I can see Hadley. Well, he's definitely in into in the in the shape for me or in in the tips next week. The other one that I'm absolutely a hundred percent right on, and he he was one of the names that I read out in the top ten of the predictor model is Pat Perez. Now I've been saying to you, Pat Perez, for this for a couple of weeks, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. No, he's playing well, Pat. He's, he's stepped up a gear. He came over to uh, to the European Tour a couple of weeks ago. Um, he played well. He, he, you know, he, I forget where exactly he finished, but he was, um, you know, he was on the fringes of contention all the way through, and um, yeah, he's, you know, he's getting a wider um, experience of uh, 
of golf by doing that. I think that's good. 29th he finished at the uh, Dubai Desert Classic in the end, but he got closer than that at one point. He went out in 28 or 29 for the back nine on Saturday, I believe. Um, so clearly in some decent nick, and that's off the back of what finishing fourth at the um, the Tournament of Champions early doors. I think the best bogey number uh, at Dubai um, was, I think it was four bogeys. That might have even been Hai Tong Lee. Uh, yeah. Perez only got eight, so you know he's within four. So I, I like that. He did put a nice run together one of the rounds, didn't he? He, he went real low. I think it's like six bogeys in six birdies in eight holes or something, and then it. Peaked. Yeah, a couple of eagles he got on the descent. I think it was either twenty eight or twenty nine. He went out and um, yeah, you know, on the more scorable back nine, but even so, to uh, to produce that. I think kind of scores. I think firstly though, Pat Perez of two years ago would never have even entertained going to Dubai. Pat Perez two years ago probably wouldn't have been offered a nice healthy check, but Pat Perez of two years ago wasn't also ranked nineteenth in the world, and he reminds me, Paul. He reminds me. I might be wrong here, but he reminds me of, of Jimmy Walker of a few years ago. There was there was always something there with Jimmy, wasn't he? There, he was a great putter, and he took forever and forever and forever, and he kept getting into all of these contending positions on a Sunday and. Doing a Gary Woodland, doing a, um, doing a Graham Delette. Yeah. But then he he won, didn't he? Twenty thirteen, I think he won at Cordival, Cordival, and then he won quite quickly again at the Sony Open. And from that point on, he got on a roll, and he actually started to believe, you know, hey, I belong in this. I've I've got my head around it, and mentally, even though. I was going into a situation where I could play some great classical golf courses and contend, but I would eventually go backwards. Once he'd got his head around the fact that he could win, he could convert, he went on to bigger and better things. Clearly, he won the PGA Championship in uh, 20... Was it last year? No, it was 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, 2016 yeah. he won. Oh, he was a good, good, good player, Jimmy. And, you know, prolific on the West Coast once he... Uh... Once, once he got his head round it all, as you say, is um, now I'm not saying uh, Pat Perez is a major champion. Before I get tons of abuse, I'm not saying that Pat is a major champion. But if you look at Pat and you look at his CV and you look at the golf courses where that guy has contended and finished fourth and fifth and sixth, you pretty much go to any of the best classical golf courses on the PGA Tour, and that guy has gone very, very well at all of them. Yeah. And he can score low. And I'm going back to, I'm sure it was the Bob Oak classic back at the time. Didn't he shoot 30, 30 under, 29? Yeah, over, over five days. Like that. Yeah, and that's another, that's, that's, right. another, that's another feather in the cap, isn't it? He's won a Pro-Am in the past. Yeah. So he's not scared of the slow speed of play. Um, I think I read an interview about when he finished fourth here in 2015, the fact that he... He tend or that week he played with one, a close friend that he's played in programs previously. So mm. that and he said that puts me at ease. So I just get the feeling with Perez. And the other thing that I I took note of, and he mentioned this in his pre-tournament interview at the Dubai Desert Classic, he's a little bit peeved the fact that he won the CJ Cup. Uh, sorry, he won the CIMB Classic in Malaysia on the PGA Tour. He then went to the CJ Cup in Korea and finished fifth. Big, big handfuls of FedEx Cup points, yeah? But none of, the, none of those results went towards the Ryder Cup. 
Yeah, bit, bit uh, frustrating for him. Right? And he said, you know, I should be sitting in third or fourth spot in the Ryder Cup standings, but actually I'm in about 12th or 14th. And you just got get the feeling with him that that could be another motivator. We're on a course where I think he's finished, uh, he's got three top tens, a couple of top fives. We know that he's also done well at that Callaway Invitational in the past. It's the perfect golf course for him in my mind. Again, a guy that's hitting lots of greens at the moment, but is a natural putter and can yeah. and can putt very well on power. Yeah, no, I, I think he's. I think relative to his world ranking and the game he's currently playing, um, generally is overpriced compared to what he should be. Um, now you've got five fantastic players ahead of him in the market, and you know a few more, but you've got the five guys at the very top, and you know. How many of the each way places are going to be taken up by those? You 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 expect two or three at the very least. Who would you? Who would you? If you someone held a, held a gun to your head and said to you, "You've got to take one of the top five, Who would you take? DJ. Hmm. He just loves Pebble Beach. He loves Ben. You know, in your in your. Um, in your preview, you talk about the um, the number of times that he's won on power or bent power tracks. And well, I think it was eight that I, I read. Yeah, eight. Yeah. Um, you know, he's 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 prolific on it. He's you know he's the best player in the world. And um, yeah, if if you would have given me just a if it was just a one and done, it would be DJ every time. I think John Rahm. Um, he, I'm sure at some point he will be world number one. But right now, in my mind. Each time he gets to the point where he could go and win in the tournament, and as he's done the last two two events, something's just saying to him, "You go and win this tournament, you're going to be world number one." And is it holding him back? Oh, you know, did well, I it, de- it definitely destroyed him at the Farmers, didn't it? Because the first two rounds he was imperious, yeah. and as we said last week, I think he was almost he got very close to evens in play. Yeah. And then he just and he admitted it in his interview at Scottsdale. It all got too much for him. Last week he couldn't get to world number one, um, yeah. but it's clearly he knows it's close, and he started to show some real frustration yesterday, didn't he? At, at his performance, and I know for a fact. I think I read on Twitter that um, he can get to world number one this week, but he needs to win the tournament, and Dustin Johnson needs to finish forty second or less. Right, okay. He's getting within touching distance each week, isn't he? he you is. know, even if even if he doesn't get right over the line, he's getting very close to it. Given that he was, you know, he was next to, you know, he was a shot behind Ricky Fowler going into the final round, and um, Ricky Fowler, for all of his quality, his his conversion from fifty four holes isn't the best. Um, you know, you would have fancied him to, uh, to 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 give Ricky a real run for his money yesterday, but the you know, the pair of them uh, just just dropped away which was um, very surprising but yeah yeah. going back to your original question um, I'd, I'd take DJ over any of the other four there mm, yeah I think anyone sensible would wouldn't they and the bookmakers know that hence 13 to 2 yeah it's 13 to 2 I mean that could either be a, a, a good a good price in hindsight at the end of it because you're not going to get that kind of price about him on many tournaments um you know, that's purely because there's, uh, there's so much competition there. But I mean, the beauty of that is you've got five players there taking up a huge chunk of the market. So, so further down, I and mean, looking at the likes of, of, of Lefty, who played very well last week, yeah, he, he kind of made a mess of the final hole, which from our perspective was great because we got a bit more out of the Chess and Hadley uh, 
bet. But um, you know, was he won three times around Pebble um, uh, you know, on this particular track uh, in this particular tournament? He has, yeah. No. Clearly, no, clearly he hasn't won for a period of time. We we all know that. The year that I did pick him for this, the one where Vaughan Taylor won, where Phil got to just on the fringe in two on the final hole. Yeah. And he needed a birdie to get into a playoff, and he chunked the chip. I mean, can you imagine Phil Mickelson chunking a chip? And it wasn't—he mm-hmm. wasn't a hard chip. Yeah. And I was just again, I had head in hands, and you just <laughs> knew he was going to burn the edge, burn the yeah. edge. Uh, but that year, he finished seventh for GIR at Scottsdale, and at that point, you really take notice. Oh my God, yeah, Phil's hitting tons of greens. Uh, he isn't doing that at the moment. That's the one negative about it. I think of the top five, for me, I wouldn't take John, I wouldn't take Rory, and I wouldn't take Jordan, because Jordan's putting at the moment is shocking. Yeah, that's not his, you know, that, that's not him, is it? He's the best putter in the world, um, in my view. And, uh, why, why, are they t- why are they tinkered with his putter, fundamentally, the, the routine and what he's doing? Heaven only knows. But, yeah, I... It was it was tangible on the uh, putting average on the predictable this week. Doesn't appear he's very lowly on there, yeah. And he doesn't no, he doesn't appear in my ten week rolling stats for putting it, or anything. It, it's, yeah, he's it's, it's dropped right away in terms of his putting average. Yeah, and it's, you know, tee to green wise, he's, oh, mate, he's, he's he's unbeatable. He's, he's hitting as many greens yeah. as anybody in the field every week, but he just can't putt. Yeah. yeah, he will put that right. He will turn up round, and he will. Um, it win and easily win a tournament at some point when that putter sparks to life and it can't it can't stay where it is either he'll get get his head around the uh, tweaks and changes that he's making or he'll give it all up and go back to where he was before and it um, it'll all click together something um, some, something oh it will yeah I agree it, yeah he will get it right and you will actually get a half decent price on at that particular event where it actually starts going right for him yeah one thing that's just irking me and it's just digging in the back of my mind is um, do you think Jason Day's got any chance of going back to back done it before yeah I know he's done it before yeah he has done it before um, I, and, he, I and, he, and he, he did he was he was in the top 30 for greens in regulation at um, where he won at Torrey Pines a few weeks ago yeah, I, I'm kick, kicking myself at Torrey Pines because yeah. I saw the day before he pulled out of the Pro-Am with a bad back and um, that's not the first time he's done that, done that, and gone and won, won a tournament the uh, you know the, the, the same week. So I think he could he um, could barely walk on the Thursday when he when he shot a seventy three. They they reckon he was hobbling off the golf course the Thursday. Yeah, he's seen it all before. That's 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 got to be the as soon as you see him struggling or pulling out of the program because he, he's saying he's injured. That's got to be the time to lump on. What did he drift out to? Twenty twos. He was twenty twos pre event. Um, you'd have got more than that. Yeah. Man. In play, far more. But yeah, I, you know what happened. If I back Jason Day, then he, he'll get a round in and then pull out, pull out for real because he he's got a bad back. So uh, that's always the danger of backing a short price player, anyway. But uh, yeah, not for me. Okay, yeah, if one of the five it'd be DJ. But to be fair, I think I'll leave the uh, the top five alone myself this week. Another player. I tell you, other players that I'm playing with, not physically. But mentally, in terms of if they were were to be included, this one will perturb many. But there's a little for me. There's juice in Pat Kuchar this week. I'm seeing forty yeah. to one. He does string uh, string results together. Not necessarily wins, but uh, top fives and 
Top sevens, yeah. You'd have said the same thing about Gary Woodland. Mm. Um, he does, yeah. He strings them together. He hit lots of greens last week. And when I say lots of greens, he was in the top uh, top 25 for greens in regulation. And he's finished sixth here at the US Open. I think he's got another sixth here at another AT&T. He, didn't, he hasn't played this for ages. And then um, he decided to play it last year, missed the cut. I don't. I suppose he's getting used to the course again. Just get the feeling with him. When you look at his record and how he's done on the West Coast, he ticks a lot of boxes. He really does. Um, Reed, Patrick Reed, potentially, although I can never call Reed correctly. Um, Patrick Cantley's of some interest. I'm definitely going with Chess and Hadley, as we've discussed. Um, Kevin Kisner. I'm seeing Kevin Kisner at sixty-six to one. Mm. That's a, yeah, a good player. That's a big price for Kevin Kisner. He was, he is, yeah. He was tenth here last year. There's a there's a bit of a uh, bit of disparity there because he's as short as thirty threes as well with some bookies. So, well, his stats are fantastic. They're kind of they're ticking every single statistic that I want to. But he doesn't seem mm. to have strung the whole tournament together yet so far this year. Mm. Perhaps it's this week. That doesn't mean he can't, does it? No. Um, and the other one that I like the look of. Is James Hahn. Playing well, James. Jimmy. He seems to have got a little bit of consistency in his game, doesn't he? Yeah, that's not normally his game, is it? He normally misses eight cuts on the trot and then wins at 500 to one and everyone's, um, you know, everyone knows that he's capable of winning but you'd never pick him out because his current form's so dire. But yeah, he seems to have, uh, seems to have turned that on its head. Um, whether that means that he'll just sit in those kind of contending and non-paying positions from a... From a betting perspective, or whether you can convert one, remains to be seen. Well, on my rank, on my ranking, on my rankings, Paul, for classical golf courses, yeah, he sits fifteenth mm. out of the field. So that's a decent ranking for a guy that hasn't, because my my um, my my numbers run over a five-year window. Yeah. So he's he's in the top. He's fifteenth ranked for classical golf courses. We know that he's won at Quail Hollow, a real beauty of a course. We know that his first ever PGA Tour victory was at Riviera, which is on the you know down in Los Angeles. He's finished third here at Pebble Beach. Um, he's he's finished in the top four at PGA West, and he finished was it he got in a playoff at the Sony Open this year, didn't he? Mm, yeah. So every single West Coast uh, golf course there, apart from Torrey Pines, he's at the moment seriously contended at. And he's putting absolutely fantastically, Amon. He almost gained a stroke on the field at the Sony, um, 0.8 of a stroke on the field at the career builder, and last week in Phoenix, 1.3 strokes to the field in putting. Yeah. Oh, and, and he can convert when he gets in that position. Well, this, he doesn't go away, does he, when he's actually no. in contention? No. 80 to 1 about him at the moment. Yeah, I know. That's a big price in my mind. I think there was also another tournament last year, wasn't there? It was the one where him, Billy Horshaw and Jason Day were contending at TPC Four Seasons. And again, he was there right to the 72nd hole. I think he lost out to the... in the. Oh, sorry, he didn't get in a playoff by one shot. Yeah. He does hang about, It's, but he, he is a, he's a bugger. To, he's a bugger to get right, James Harm. But again, he was, um, if, he was in the top 20 last week for Greens and Regulation, and he putted beautifully. So that's where my thoughts are. It has to be said 
the AT&T Pebble Beach. I will um, confirm, I will confer in my mind overnight and write up in the morning. So they should be out mid-morning tomorrow, UK time. Uh, that will be my full golf betting preview tomorrow. Right, do you want to take us through the Super 6, Paul? Yeah, yeah, I oh, can do. I'm just going to give you one name on the... Um, oh, go on, yeah, sorry. On the, on the Pebble Beach before we go. Um, sure. One that caught my eye further, quite a lot further down the list, was Tom Hogue. Yeah, Hogue. Uh, Tom Hoagie. Hoagie, I was going to say, you're going to tell me that I've mispronounced his name. Tom Hoagie, apparently. But I'm looking... Um, I'm looking for decent wedge players. Um, he, when I went through his stats for last year and this year, he's, you know, from those kind of 125, 100 yards in, he's very, very prominent. Hitting greens at the moment. Um, finished third at the Sony. 12th at Torrey Pines. You know, he's... He, I don't, I, he's gone up a gear, hasn't he? He really yeah. has. I've also got it in my analysis here that he's he's had some decent coastal results. Third at the Sony, clearly, yeah. Yeah. Twelfth yeah. uh, at Torrey ten, Pines, and there's another one hidden away. Tenth at Tenth at Puerto, Puerto Rico, I I noted down as well. So um, yeah, there's. And ninth at the Magladry, or the RSM Classic, as it is now. So he's got some coastal form there as well, isn't he? Yeah, and uh, he finished seventh at the Shriners, another, another low-scoring event. I, 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 just looking at the different aspects to it, there was uh, there was a lot to like about him for a two hundred to one shot. I tell you, he was the, he was one that came out in my analysis, Hoagie, because he, he's ticking pretty much every box across either this season or like what price is he? Two hundred to seven places you can get. The thing with him is he can putt as well, can't he? I'm seeing him thirty ninth for putting average so far this season. Yeah, forty two for forty second for scrambling, and he's thirty seventh for bogey avoidance. Well, if you look, you're going back to the Sony, he, was, he shot 65, 65, 64 first three rounds. Um, he shot 70 in the final round to let uh, Patton Kazia or Kazia through. Um, yeah, he went, he went in the last group, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, he should be better for that experience. It should, it should help build him from a, you know, a personal perspective. I think he's a West, I think he's from that side of the United States. Something's telling me Utah or somewhere around there. Uh, North Carolina, I think he was born, but um, but yeah, yeah, even so, it's um, you know, I don't, again, if I'm looking for something a little bit further down the list, that's uh, that's one that caught my eye. Where are uh, what price you see? Uh, 200 to one, jeez, with uh, seven places at the moment. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, North Carolina, uh, he lives in Fort Worth, so interesting. Yeah, okay, 200 to one, mm. quite a tasty that is price, a tasty price. That is nice, it must be said, but that's one that might have to go in. The other one that I really do like the look of stats-wise, and who has got a link to here California-wise, is, is our friend Bo Hosler. Is it Hosler or Hosler? Hosler, I think. Again, that's how Bo? I pronounce it. Say that again? <laughs> yeah, it's Bo. Yeah, Bo Hosler, I think. Yeah. I'm seeing some very strong putting numbers. Oh, he's he, a great part of punk. He can scramble and he's he can uh, his bogey avoidance is good as well. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit up and down, but when he's putting well, he's a very good putter. He made his professional debut here at that Callaway tournament that I mentioned, right? And he finished ninth. Okay. So he's got some. He, he knows the courses because I I believe they play the, a similar course rotor. Mm. And I th- what yeah. what price are we seeing for for Hosler Hosler? 
He has been found out by the bookmakers because I know that you know that we've been lots of guys have been tipping him up over the. Yeah. He's a hundred. I'm seeing a little bit of a hundred to one about him. But yeah, he's getting a bit of hundreds. Yeah. He's eighty to one with Coral seven places. Mm. Yeah, I say there's still a few bookies to come up, so you might get some uh, movement on that price as well. Decisions to be made, Paul. Right, go on in Super mm. Six. Super Six, yeah. So this is one of the new format events. Um, so it's kind of a hybrid between stroke play and match play. And what what they do is they play um, three. The first three days is you you would play any stroke play tournament. So they play uh, standard eighteen holes. They make the cut after thirty six. It's the top sixty five and ties. Um, and then it all changes on Saturday night. They get to the um, the, the final leaderboard um, after fifty four holes. Um, and from there, the top 24 go through to Sunday and everyone else goes home. Now, the top eight in the leaderboard at that point are seeded um, and they get put into the, uh, the, the seeded into the uh, to the match play element that goes on on Sunday. Um, and the other 16 aren't seeded and they'll play each other for the chance to play one of the seeds effectively. So um, Sunday uh, is one of these uh, new style days where it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a different uh, format of golf to, uh, to what we're normally used to, to seeing. So they play six holes um, in a match play format. And if they get to the end of the six holes and the uh, the match is tied, they go to a, one of these 100-yard playoff holes. Um, and uh, that will decide where the uh, who goes through. So it's quick-fire action. Um, you know, in match play over six holes, you can get you know, two or three holes ahead very quickly and it's, it's game over. Um, so things can change very, very quickly. A lot of drama. Um, I think it went down well last year. Um, it went down well with me because I'd, I'd backed um, uh, Brett Rumford, um, 50 to 1. Um, he was the 54-hole leader. He was five shots clear at that point. So I'd backed him in the outright market and I was kind of kicking myself I hadn't taken him in the 54-hole market at that point. Um, but then you know he was playing the best golf of the uh, of the whole field and went on to win the overall tournament, beating Fatura Kong Watmai in the uh, in the final game. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good a good week good week for me definitely. Um, but yes, it's and that does kind of uh, tell you a story actually because you've got two different ways to play this. You can either play it as a um, an outright tournament where you can bet on the winner. Um, because it's match play, you'll get down to a final four, so the bookies are playing, paying four places for the outright market. Um, some of them are playing, paying quarter of the odds, some are paying a third, so do have a, do have a look before um, you make those final decisions. And the, the prices are still coming up, so we haven't got the full list of terms yet, which will include in my preview tomorrow. Um, well, the alternative is you play the 54-hole market, um, and you just take it as effectively a stroke play tournament that ends on Saturday night. Um, and you get a different set of odds there and generally the bookies will go back to the standard conventional five places quarterly odds or you may get some some extended but I, I'd guess that generally it will be five and a quarter so um, yeah it's an interesting format um, I, I quite enjoyed it last year the shame actually is that the um, the field this year is pretty poor it wasn't so, great last year though was it no, not particularly. But I think they um, they flew Louis down there on a on a on a check, didn't they? Louis Oosthuizen. 
Yeah, yeah. Louis came in as the favourite, and he, he made it through to the latter stages of the uh, the match play, but uh, he, he didn't pay out um, from a, an each way perspective for backers. And am I right and in thinking that Tyrrell Hatton was signed up, and he said that actually I can't be asked to spend sort of the next three and a half years on a plane. I'm not going to come down. <laughs> yeah, I think the official line is, is that he's injured, but yeah, right, okay. um, Tyr- Tyrrell's pulled out. They replaced him with Beef. So Andrew Johnson's come in, um, and he's kind of the uh, where all the media uh, focuses at the moment, as, as it would as it be. Yeah. To be. Yeah. Um, and also, um, Kiradek Abby Barnrat's come in as an eleventh hour addition to the field, so it's bolstered it to a degree there. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's not not great. Westwood's playing, and actually, as I'm looking at the odds right now, Westwood is the joint favourite for this tournament. So that kind of gives you an in, in indication of where we are. It's an interesting market, actually, if you look at the outright um, market, because bear in mind, whatever happens um, by Saturday night effectively gets reset. So as we saw last year, Rumford was five shots clear on Saturday night. On a straight pay tournament, what would he be? Odds on, probably. You know, ju- ju- just just the other side of, uh, you know, ju- just just this side of being odds on. And that tournament, he'd have been uh, seven, eight, ten to one, that kind of price going into Sunday morning because they're going into a match play scenario and anything can happen. So um, looking at the odds for the overall market, you've got 25 to one the field at the moment. Right. Which you generally won't see on a, um, in, you know, on any event, let alone a European Tour or PGA Tour event. No, it's that kind of price you get on these alternate events, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, on the PGA Tour, where the bookmakers really aren't that sure at all. No, exactly. So it, it does, um, and as I say, you've got this choice between going for the outright market or going for the 54 hole market. And I guess what you'll need to do individually is to get an idea of what what the players that you, you're interested in backing and see what the relative prices are. Because, um, yeah, the last thing you want to do is find that you've backed someone who's, you know, absolutely romping it on Saturday night and then gets knocked out the first uh, first time they play the day after. Although, as I said, the top eight do get seeded, so they effectively miss the first round of the match play and get uh, get a buy to the second round, in effect. Can I throw a name at you that's just jumped out of odds checker at me? Yeah, go on. And I, I'm saying this completely off my own back, listeners. Paul and I haven't converted on this whatsoever. I'm seeing Torbjorn Olsen at 25-1. to 1. Now, is it in my mind that he won the... the uh, he won this that quirky event last year at in uh, near St Albans, didn't he? And hasn't he hasn't he finished second or third around this place in the past? Uh, he's, he's won on this track. So this this right. is the track that used to be used for the um, well, originally it used to be used for the Johnny Walker Classic. Yes, um, going back to two thousand two and three, and that was won by the likes of uh, Retief Goose and Ernie Els. Won there with um, a, a European Tour record score twenty nine under. Because he isn't I mean, he, he, used, he isn't playing abysmal golf, is he? He's playing quite reasonable. He's, He's, he's playing Olsen golf, which you know it's kind of it, it tickles along. Doesn't get particularly good scores. Um, uh, didn't get particularly good finishes. Missed the cut last week, and then um, then he pops up and wins. Yeah. So yeah, you can you can see him uh, potentially doing something. But you're you're right. He's uh, he, he finished. Uh, he, he won here when it was the Perth Invitational um, two, three or four years ago. I forget exactly which year it was now. Um, so cl- clearly played a course. And the fact that he's won here, um, Brett Rumford won here last year, uh, tells you something about the track because it's if you look at it on paper, it's a classical track, dog legs. Um, it's it's in Perth. It's near the coast. Um, it's not right on the coast, but it's not far from the coast. 
Um, you get the afternoon breeze that blows up here, the Fremantle Doctor. So it can be quite, in, in, on paper, it could be quite a tricky um, uh, course. Yeah. But the reality is, it's scorable to get into. Um, last year, Rumford was 17 under through his three rounds um, when, the, when they went into the match play. So, so clearly, you can get a, you know, a decent score going here. And it can't be tight because you've got the likes of Rumford and you've got the likes of Olsen who are nowhere near the straightest of the tee. Um, and they're getting getting themselves over the line. So it's one of these wider um, classical tracks. And you're thinking more along the lines of a kind of a, um, an Italian open style in terms of uh, scorable but uh, but tree lined. Okay. So that's the kind that's that's the kind of course you're looking at. What made you go for Rumford last year, apart from the fact that he's a Perth native? What was what yeah, what he, was the one thing that you looked at his statistics or his build up and said actually he's right on it? For me, this is um, there's, there's two ways to get around this course. Um, you can either be a metronomic greens and regulation machine. Um, so Oosthausen has one round here. Ernie Els, you know, these are the kind of names that you could say. Well, okay, if he's going to go and hit ninety percent of greens and regulation, make you know one point seven five parts there or thereabouts. Um, he can he can get himself to twenty under under par. Um, Last year it was quite windy, um, and it often is often is around this place. Um, and Brett Rumford's got one of the one of the best, if not the best, short game um, on the European tour, and you know it's, it's right up there with the uh, uh, you know a lot of the best players with short games in, in the world. And for me, you tie that together the fact that he's um, you know he's he is from Perth. He's a he's a Perth native. He can stay in his he's sleeping in his own bed when he's here. He's got a lot of support, of course. Um, he's got some relatively good form around the track before he won last year. Um, just looking at his form, he's 27th, 20, 27th, 22nd, 36th, 6th, 19th, 7th before he won. So there was no disasters in there, a couple of top 10 finishes. Um, he uses his place for practice rounds when he goes back home. You know, he clearly he takes, takes this particular event or playing on this track for... Um, he takes it seriously, so... Um, and I had a look at him last year and his incoming form wasn't particularly great until you bear in mind that he was playing well in, I think it was the South African Open and pulled out halfway through um, uh, because he had a problem with his stomach, which they thought may have been a recurrence of a more serious problem that he'd had a year before. So he had it checked out, no problem, went home and everything was hunky-dory. Warmed up the week before um, on a little Australasian tour event, finished top 20. Um, and it just seemed like he was bubbling under. And uh, yeah, sure enough, he came out and played some fantastic goals. Who are you seeing this week then? Well, I'm, I'm going to stick with Rumford. I'm, I'm seeing Rumford at 33 to 1. And um, given the strength of this field, I see no reason to, to, to go against him. He's shown a, a, a decent enough bit of form um, at, at the Dubai Desert Classic. Nothing serious. But again, it was kind of, kind of um, bubbling under. Um, he got himself into the top 20 or thereabouts um, a couple of the rounds during the week and uh, eventually finished 37th, but that's, you know, that, that's, that's no disaster for, for Rumford. Um, he's had a week back at home since to prepare for this. Um, a lot of the guys went from there straight to Malaysia and he's, he's flown straight back home to get himself ready for this particular event. Um, he finished 12th in the uh, Australian Open just before Christmas. So there's, there's some decent enough form there, I think. Um, and say so given the uh, given the strength of the field, I I don't see any reason to oppose that. 
Um, the only question for me is until we see the full range of markets um, as to exactly how I play that, but I suspect it will be in the outright market. Okay. Um, so yeah, Rumford's there. Um, another one who's caught my eye over the last couple of weeks is David Lipsky. Um, he he had some decent course form for last week, um, and bizarrely um, he opened up at one hundred and twenty-five to one last week and got absolutely hammered that price. And by the time he started, he was forty to one. So I think that shows you how um, out of kilter that particular price was. Mm-hmm. And, he, and to be fair, he was he was right in the mix at uh, various points. I think he was up to seventh or so halfway last week. Um, finished seventeenth overall uh, in the end. So you know, again, he's kind of up under the radar to a certain degree. Um, he was sixth in Dubai the, the week before. Um, scrambling stats have been really strong the last couple of weeks. He's kind of in the in the high seventies, eighty percent. Okay. but for me, he's better on faster greens, and I think last week the greens were too slow for him. So take him to um, a style of track that he enjoys. Um, he's got a lot of formal classical kind of courses. He won at Crans. Um, he's finished third at the Italian Open, um, mm. second back at Laguna National, um, which was another um, one of these uh, traditional kind of classical style courses. Um, and you coupling that with um, faster greens, these should be up, up to about up to about eleven on the stint this week. So there should be a marked difference between the uh, speed of the greens to last. Are they Bermuda or bent grass? These are bent. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're 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 classed as pure bent. Or I expect there's a bit of. Um, local grass that's grown in there over the years but yeah they're, they're good decent green he's got so, a decent yeah. record on Ben has he he has yeah he's, he can part on both actually he's one of these versatile players but yeah if you look back to some of the like the Portugal Masters type uh, events he's he's putted in the, the low 1.6s in the past so mm. he can certainly get on with it um, he finished ninth here in 2016 when it was the Perth in, in International as well so okay. um, he's got a bit of course form to go back on as well so um, yeah, I'll be adding both of those two. So you've got um, Rumford and uh, if we're looking at Lipsky right now, there's a bit of 28s available on Lipsky. So they're both guys that are close to the top of the market. Um, the market's strange because it, it doesn't um, thin out that uh, that quickly because you've got a starting price of 25s and you've got an awful lot of players around the 25, 28, 33, 40 to 1 kind of bracket. Um one that caught my eye further down, uh, or a little further down, is uh, Alejandro Canitharis, who's um, he's actually in a similar kind of position to where Rumford was was last year, because Rumford didn't have a card at the time when he arrived on this event, so he was playing for his card as well. Um, and uh, Canitharis had um, a wrist problem, you might remember last year, missed quite a big chunk of the season um, as he got over this wrist issue so he started um, this year or the last couple of events on a medical extension and he needed to get something like 100,000 euros yeah, out of that, the and his uh, last event was at his home course of Valderrama wasn't it well no he had a couple of events he had um, Abu Dhabi and um, and Dubai to get to finish off to get uh, this, this this final um, you know to get himself finally over the line I think he missed out in the end by what was effectively two shots so he wasn't far off, but he comes here without a card. So he needs to um, take advantage of these events that he's getting some kind of start in because it's you know it's such a poor field. They're actually kind of the, they're dragging down uh, further, you know, plumbing the depths to get the, to get the field filled, uh, field filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Week. So uh, 
So yeah, but again, if you go back through his history, he's he won at uh, he won the Hassan Dur Trophy, which is on that uh, uh, classical Trent Jones track over in Morocco. Um, he's finished fifth and fourth in the Paul Laurie match play the last two times it's been played. So should he get himself through to the uh, to the latter stages, then um, he's you know he's, he's got the ability or the uh, the history to suggest that he can do well in the match play format as well. So. Yeah, I, I think he's. Um, I think he's got a chance as well, Canisares. And um, I, 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 he's one of those players that I've backed a few times over the years, and um, he also always seems wholly logical until you see where he actually ends up. On the, on Have the, you got a predictor model top ten that you can run the listeners through quickly? Yeah, yeah. Let's take you through um, where that sits at the moment. So. Um, Going in reverse order then. Uh, tenth, Wade Ormsby, who's got a decent record on this track, but um, he's been in awful form the last uh, couple, you know, two or three events. I think it's just miscut after miscut, which is um, surprising. He's, uh, he, fits, he, he ticks a lot of boxes, I must say, Wade, um, if you can overlook the current form. Um, Afi Byronrat in nine, um, Adam Blythe in eight, uh, Garganjeet Bulla, another one of the India, perhaps, perhaps you'll see an Indian kind of halo, halo effect from Sharma's win last week. It's happened um, before, in, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bulla in seventh, uh, Ryan Fox in sixth, uh, Canisaris comes in at fifth actually on the predictor, uh, Lipsky in fourth, Olsen, who you mentioned in third, uh, Jason Scrivener. Who finished? Uh, I think he finished third. I, I, I think I'm sure I tipped him and backed him last year. Um, finished third, um, and again he's been in some decent form. I think he finished sixth in Dubai. So there's some there's a decent case to be made about Scrivener. Didn't as well. he win a? He, um, won, he won something in Australia as well, didn't he? His first. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he won something over on the uh, Australasian uh, course, uh, Australasian tour before Christmas. Mm. Um, New South Wales Open or something along those lines. So, so yeah, it was, um, you know, he's it's, it's, uh, it's clearly capable of screwing up, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and top of the trees, uh, Brett Rumford, which I, I can't, uh, can't dispute really. I think he's got the best credentials of the players that are here, um, given his course history, the, you know, and, and the, the less tangible things, you know, about him being a local and, you know, staying at home, the local support and, uh, and all of that malarkey. So, uh, so yeah, I think um, I think Rumford's got a good chance this week. Let's hope for a change of luck this week. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I think you, you, you in particular, are due a uh, due a big week. So uh, yeah, let's let's hope we can get one of them over the line. It would be nice. It's it's like leading horses to water, isn't it? You can't always make them have a nice uh, <laughs> a nice drink, <laughs> cooling drink. But at the moment, there's not a lot of drinking going on. Uh, it, it will turn around, Steve. Don't you worry. You have to keep you have to keep plugging in your in your way, don't you? Mm, absolutely. Well, thank yeah, patience. Yeah, exactly, patience. I think that's the way that we'll describe it. Thank you for your time, Paul. No, best of luck. Yeah, best of luck to you, and uh, thanks for listening, uh, guys. Um, it's been a pleasure as always. We will be back again next week. We're uh, we're. We're podcasting away each and every week here at Golf Betting System. And as ever, it's golfbettingsystem.co.uk for all of this week's content, our statistics, first round leader statistics, our predictor models, and uh, our weekly previews as well. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye.